Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 369. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my standing co-host today is my company's senior SEO, Scott Vanak. You know, at this point, we should just consider you our other co-host. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think I need a slightly more official, formal, uh, permanent title or something. Yeah, uh, don't, get a, don't ask for a title because you know who's going to make one for you. No. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> you don't let John pick. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I don't know if I would trust John in that department. <laughs> I mean, how are you doing today? I, I'm doing pretty well, actually. Pretty well. Good, good. Um, I want to apologize to listeners. I know that uh, on top of the lovely issues with downloading our show over the last while, thanks to some glitches at Apple and also with uh, webmasterradio.fm's website, um, I've been away. I took a bit of a holiday. And uh, between that and getting back and having a huge workload, it's been a month since our last show. Uh, actually, just a little over. So I do apologize, but uh, we're back at it. Uh, and uh, hopefully you're still tuning in. So with that said, let's jump into some news. Uh, now, the first one here, Scotty put in uh, search market share. Whoa, I haven't started, talked about that one in a while. I know, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, and then uh, when you told me you needed me to fill in today, I thought, uh, hey, why don't I take a look at those numbers and see what that's like. It's been years since I've looked at that, and we used to report on it on our blog, I think every month for years, and we're talking 2002, 2003, whenever that was, and so I thought, let's see how things have changed, and you know, they haven't really changed all that much. <laughs> um, I mean, back in the day when we started doing it, Google was at around 50%, and then I you know, they inched up and just keep inching up. And globally, they are at 75.49% as of October, according to netmarketshare.com, which may or may not be a reliable source. To be honest, this data is harder to find than it used to be. Um, yeah. And, and again, to be really clear, this is global. In the States, it's much higher. Absolutely. And we used to use Nielsen net ratings for this data. And I tried and I, I could find old data, but I couldn't find anything current. So I'm not even sure if they report on this anymore. Um, hmm. If they do, I'd like to know where it is. Not that I'll ever check it again, but you know, <laughs> it'd be good to know. Um, yeah, and then and then Bing, like I was surprised they're still at almost ten percent globally, which uh, surprised <laughs> me. I, I don't know. I thought they'd be lower. Um, One of my favorite things uh, I was uh, got suckered into watching this Billy Eilish interview. I liked the idea because it was showing um, her interview with Ver Vanity Fair over three years. So they sectioned the image and she got to see what she said before. And it was kind of fun. But what uh, I thought was fantastic is they asked her for her Google stats, you know, how many people were searching for her name. And it was a dramatic change over three years. Oh, um, yeah. First of all, did you know she's even like, I had no idea she's only yes, 17. Really? Yeah, I had no idea. I don't know much about her. Yeah, I don't know a lot. Only my daughter <laughs> keeps me yeah. apprised of this stuff. Um, but um, when they said, well, what about Bing? And she says, Bing? Who the F uses Bing? <laughs> well, well, apparently about 700 million people globally. <laughs> well, there you go. But that's not many in terms of the market. 
Uh, oh, I guess, yeah. Anyway, it is funny because the, the way she said it was priceless. I wanted to get, um, I want to get a, a mem going on that. It's just awesome. I want to get a snippet, but of course I'll probably get sued if I do that. So, oh, it's <laughs> worth the risk. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> okay, and who's then, next? Oh, yeah. Then, like, Baidu is at nine. Baidu, is that even how you say it? I don't even know. Baidu, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Look at that. I knew more than I did. But I did uh, not a little over 9%, which is actually pretty high. If you think about it, considering in China, it's probably close to a hundred percent. And then in the, the U S is probably pretty much zero. I would guess maybe a bit higher than zero, but you know, low. So 10% globally, that's quite significant. If you think about it, same as Bing. And that's basically from one country. Um, Yahoo at a whopping 3%. I remember when Yahoo was, I think about 40% and it was <sighs> just as important as anything else, you know? Yeah, Google uh, was 60, Yahoo's 40. Basically, yeah. I vaguely Bing, remember something like that anyway. I guess Bing didn't exist. It was just... It's uh, so long, MSN. man. <laughs> so um, long. And yeah, then we've got Ask at half a percent. And <laughs> surprisingly, it's still alive. And even though... And I didn't know this was still up, was AOL search is still up at uh, 0.05%. What? So, you know, about one in 2,000 people are searching on AOL still. Um, and like Lycos was at 0.00, so... Oh, come but on. They, Duck, Duck, Go has to be there somewhere. Oh, they were. They were. They were like, <laughs> they were higher than Yahoo. Oh, I wish I still had the sheet. Really? Up, I, I didn't put the link. No, they definitely were there. And I don't know why I didn't include them. But <gasps> That's uh, offensive. I'll, I'll, po I'll post it to the Facebook group for the one person out there that cares. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot but, of people that like it because it's so private. But You know, I never use it, but I always tell myself, I think maybe I'll use it. And then I don't. No, uh, there's no point. Our life is Google, unfortunately. I know, that's um, a problem. I do, I do miss the days when there was more competition. And I keep hoping that it will change someday, but I don't see it happening. Google's got too much momentum. You know, they've been 70% high or higher for years and years and years. Like, for something to take over that, like, I mean, being at 8%, 9%, there's no way. Like, they're so far behind. They'd have to do everything right for years to even have a chance. And I bet that part of their strategy is logical. And that is that they're always looking for new tech, new launches. Because if they find a search engine before it gets big enough, they can snap up the tech without looking like they're, they're trying to maintain, maintain a monopoly. Whereas if, the, if that new service with new tech did do a better job than theirs and did get launched and do well, then I, I imagine the, uh, what did you call it? Government would get in the way of them taking it over. Ah, uh, yes. Com you know, non-competitive or what is it? I can't think of it right now. But anyway, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's sad, but at least we're getting fairly decent results. Although there are some exceptions we'll discuss today. <laughs> oh, there's always some exceptions, but specifically uh, local um, in today. Big shocker, I know. Um, yes. Okay. What's next? Uh, I don't know. I just saw, saw a little fun little thing on it. It was on Search Engine Land. Uh, I guess there were some ads showing up for the term Christmas that were uh, not safe for work, to say the least. <laughs> You know, you know, women selling or not women selling, but people selling women's lingerie and Mrs. Claus outfits and things like that. So Google has cleaned that up and removed everything for the terms uh, for Christmas. They have knowledge graph that says the date and some images and just straight organic results. Now, no paid ads anymore. So, hmm. But, you know, it's kind of interesting because it's great that they did that because 
you don't want the bad stuff showing up, but you think they could filter out the bad stuff. Um, and it's kind of scary in some senses because they have so much power over whatever they want to do. You know, like, oh, we don't like the results for Christmas. We'll just get rid of those. I don't know. Of course, all you have to do is put in Christmas gifts and then bam. Oh, see, I didn't try other variations. Well, it makes sense. They'd have to have it for other stuff. They'd be kicking themselves in the ass. But um, Some yeah. of that could be showing up for broad for the term gift as well. And the word Christmas may not be playing a role in what that ranking is. True. Holiday gift. Holiday gift. Although, yeah, I see the things look pretty Christmas oriented. They do. Yeah, which makes sense. Fairly large <laughs> event. Uh, being um, secular or not, it's huge. So John Mueller, um, a little Mueller file here. He discusses when to act on links. Now, this is my interpretation of an article from Search Engine Roundtable, uh, which is just essentially uh, uh, Barry Schwartz's own paraphrasing of a uh, video. I think it was one of the live webmaster hangouts where John Mueller answered Glenn Gabe's question. Now, Glenn was concerned that this uh, some drops in rankings may have occurred because of some unnatural links. He wasn't sure if he should just ignore that, though, because unnatural links, well, Google says they're ignoring them anyway these days. Well, um, John uh, says that uh, he, he, he suggests that you, in a nutshell, uh, don't assume that a lot of spammy links are going to be ignored. Clean them up or disavow them if you have a lot. Um, and when they say clean it up, uh, he mentioned in the terms of a widget. If you have a widget that's out there and you're using that to build links, which is one of the old tactics, just change the widget so that it doesn't do that anymore. Um, he didn't mention going to every single page, which frankly I think is ridiculous. Um, when Google's claiming to ignore them anyway if it's bad. Uh, the point of the matter is if you've got a high percentage of bad links out there, uh, then worry about it. If you don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Simple, I'm, really. Yeah. I mean, Barry took some other stuff from it about being that the, the, the algorithmic updates this month were um, not just link-based, which I'm sure is the case too, um, just from... Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I could say from a logical perspective, that's, that's likely. Um, but he listened to the whole thing. I didn't see anything um, that he posted, anything saying that. So it must have come from another component of the discussion in the video. Anyway, that was long-winded. But uh, that's, that's <laughs> it's hard because John Mueller kind of rambles sometimes with the, the answers. And um, it's fine on video, but it doesn't really transcribe well. And it, and they never have, anyone from Google never has a clear cut, solid, straightforward answer to any question ever. Yeah. You know, it's always sort of beating around the bush. Well, you know, if it's kind of okay, then don't, re you know, it's not really clear cut, but it does make sense. If, unless you have a high percentage of your links are, are dangerous, you don't really have to worry about them. It's like every, uh, one of my favorite characters uh, in a book, uh, Skippy, uh, uh, whenever he's doesn't really want to answer a question, and I think this is what is mythically added to every single yes or no. Google is maybe. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Maybe yes, maybe no. <laughs> Just there's nothing certain. Uh, unless yeah, you're talking about spam. Can I spam Google? No, there's no maybe there. No, no, that's, that's a hard no. <laughs> 
Okay, well, let's take a quick break. We come back, we're gonna talk some local SEO. Uh, there's a lot that's been going on in November. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. WebmasterRadio.fm WebmasterRadio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing, from SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry on air, on demand, and available on every mobile device that you can imagine. This is WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my company, Senior SEO, Scott Fanak. All right, so there is an alg- was an algorithmic update this uh, early November, uh, which uh, Joy Hawkins suitably named Bedlam. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, it still seems to be happening, which has many people concerned that this is the new norm. Um, people were at the initial, initially people were worried because they saw eight position drops in local and very few increases. It just seemed to be negative. Um, some were concerned that these were the new normal, but, um, it seems now, well, I shouldn't say, but now now it does seem that it's a day to day. Um, and it it could be based on day to day signal variations. Uh, there is a article by Jason Park, one of our uh, a company out of the States, uh, 
media captain or something like that. Anyway, his company uh, is, is quite prominent. Anyway, his article is called Swaposaurus GMB Theory. Um, and that's his theory is that Google's decided that, you know, there are too many businesses that are worthy of appearing in the top. And with just being three positions in the local pack, he believes they're swapping them out. Um, and again, just throughout the day, uh, not in any kind of pattern. It's probably based on day-to-day -day signals or we're not at this point. There's just so much we don't know, but he is seeing a lot of variation there. And then a lot of people are considering it a fairly reasonable guess. Um, the unfortunate aspect of all this is that spam is still winning. There's still a lot of uh, businesses that are showing up in the maps that have obviously uh, skewed their business name to have more keywords in them and et cetera. It's just, it's not looking good. Uh, and this is, that's why I am a little concerned about this concept. I think, you know, from a fairness perspective, it sounds great. Let's ensure that, you know, people who should be at the top obviously can't be limited to three. Let's give them all a chance to have a little bit of exposure. Um, of course, the people at the top aren't going to like that. Uh, the ones that originally owned them. But the problem is, is Google hasn't cleaned up the spam yet. Um, they've, they're jumping the gun. They need to get back to the, the, the roots and clean up all the crap. Um, and we'll get to a, something else that they've added recently that hopefully will help with that. Um, of course, the skeptics out there, and reasonably uh, um, authoritative ones, wonder if it's a way for Google also to push people into using pay-per-click. Um, it is what they're doing is inherently fair, but it also, you know, if you want to show up all the time, you're going to have to pay for it. This is a good, pretty good marketing tactic to me. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm not sure how I feel about it. It actually reminds me a lot of the old days where uh, banner ad sales were huge and you know, you'd, you'd have a rotating banner at the top of the site and you'd have 10 advertisers that sort of rotate in there every day or every click or whatever. And, it's kind of like that, but I don't know that that's really sustainable when you look at relevance and, and like you said, the spam issue and all kinds of other factors in there. Because yeah. then, you know, a good workaround for that would be, well, just create 100 different duplicate locations for your business and hope you don't get caught. And then you're going to have more more listings in the rotation kind of thing. Oh, yeah. If they, if they can't fix the spam, this is totally ridiculous and unsustainable. If they can do make a vast improvement on the spam, there's some validity to it. I don't like it, but there's some validity to it because um, it is very true. I, in my opinion, that there are more than three that should show up there, and uh, you know, it's it's so difficult to know what it is that's making those show up. And is it, you know, when it comes to popularity, it comes to links, is that really something that proves a company is worthy? Anyway, that's Google's bit, but. Um, and that's assuming that theory is correct. Of course, always. Yeah, yeah always. Shmaybe. Shmaybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, another bit here. Uh, this is from the local search forum. Again, um, all this stuff is. I love checking out what's going on over there. There's lots of great discussions, all very intelligent people on there. Um, when you add a Google mo mobile, or sorry, Google My Business post, if you've ever done any Google posts on Google My Business, um, you generally put in, okay, this is a special coming up. 
Um, and we do recommend doing that by the way, if you're using local, uh, because it does add a little more context to your business. It shows you you're participating with Google, my business. There's been some correlation, not causation necessarily, but correlation to, um, improved results. Well, and I'm not a pro in that area yet in Google posts. I, I haven't used it enough to say whether or not how much of this functionality was there before. So I should preface this, but, um, there is, um, an ability now to add a product and then you can specify, uh, but they did mention it was a beta thing. So I don't know how much of this is beta or not. Anyway, if you add a Google post about a product, you can now select a category if you're within the beta program. So let's say I'm, I'm selling, um, uh, a TV. Well, you could have a, a, under a category now called electronics. If you sell a number of things within your business, um, there used to be also category descriptions you could create or, um, and that is no longer shown. And any previous descriptions that you added will now be removed by January 1st. So even though we see a lots of ups and downs and changes within Google, um, on a regular basis, just from the public's perspective, if you're in the beta program, I can't even imagine how much work you end up <laughs> just losing because you're trying to keep on top of the cutting edge on that stuff. Um, I don't have time for that. And most of my small businesses couldn't afford to pass to do all that all the time. <laughs> but um, it's interesting. I can only imagine. Uh, in any case, product category descriptions are no longer available. Um, and there is a potential for products. And it is being rolled out. We don't know whether or not it's going to be a final rollout. though. Um, it could just remain beta for a while. Next, you can now report spammy users on Google Maps mobile. I'm, making, I'm emphasizing mobile because I've checked it. It's the only way you can do it. Now, this comes back to what I was talking about, how um, you know, if Google can improve uh, their spam reporting and actually dealing with it, because I know there's a lot of reports out there that haven't been dealt with. I hear about it all the time. Lots of people putting pretty potent cases against a particular user doing bad stuff and nothing's done. Well, in this case, if you find on a particular, let's say you're looking at a competitor or you're looking at your own site and you see, um, I'll use a competitor's example. If you look at a competitor and you see that there are um, reviews on there that look just blatantly fake. Well, you can click on the user's name who posted the review and then you'll see their other reviews. Again, only mobile. Um, is it as straightforward? Then you see the other reviews and if it looks fake, they all look to be some kind of like a bot fake account. Like, yeah, like they're, they're posting reviews for businesses all over the flipping world. Um, maybe all the same kinds. Uh, there's lots of signals, lots of reasons you could determine this looks like garbage. Um, then you can report them now. The top right of the screen is one of those vertical dot, dot, dot menu buttons. Click on that and then click report abuse and it'll, or report profile, I mean, and it'll give you a number of preset options to um, identify the issue. I hate those things because never, they're never perfect from whenever I'm trying to report something, but at least it's there now. It wasn't there before. If you had to report a review before, you would actually go to the review on the particular profile or not profile on the particular business and report that one. And then you'd have to go back to that person's profile, find the next review, go and report that one. It's tedious as hell. So this is a, an improvement, just it 
means nothing though if Google won't act on it. Okay, um, we're gonna take uh, one quick more one more quick break, and we're gonna jump into questions. We've got quite a few and uh, some good ones. We'll be right back. SEO one hundred and one will be back right after recess. Miami may be the sun and fun capital of the world, but it's also home to the largest literary festival in the U.S. Don't miss the Miami Book Fair, a week-long festival featuring more than 600 authors from all over the world with readings, signings, and panels capped off by a three-day street fair. Find books in English, Spanish, and Creole for every interest and every age, from biographies and novels to poetry and comics. This year, come meet poets Richard Blanco, Reginald Dwayne Betts, and Joy Harjo, award-winning novelists T.C. Boyle, Susan Choi, Edwidge Denticott, Taya Obrecht, Julie Orancher, Leonard Pitts, and Karen Russell, plus authors exploring issues of the day such as Eve Ensler, Alex Kutlowitz, Danny Shapiro, Daryl Pickney, Ambassador Samantha Power, George Wilt, and hundreds more. Take the little ones to Children's Alley for hands-on activities, characters, and storytelling. Enjoy music, food, and fun for the whole family right on the downtown Miami-Dade College campus, November 17th to the 24th. For details, schedules, and tickets, visit MiamiBookFair.com. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact B-R-A-S-C-O at WMR.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email B-R-A-S-C-O at WMR.fm. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my company, Senior SEO, Scott Vanak. All right. Why don't you read the uh, first one here, Scott? You should, I should let you talk. <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, it just you woke me up there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we got uh, a question from Ben Jones. He says, I've been doing SEO on and off for the last 20 years, and I was curious if anyone has had any significant success with real estate clients. Ever since Google decided to nationalize a majority of high-value keyword phrases, it's been hard to crack the top three. I'm determined to take Zillow and Trulia down. <laughs> I hate I hate Zillow. Um <laughs> Oh, I wish we had something like that in Canada, though, where you could access all that data without going through a realtor. Well, yeah, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Yeah. It's just bad if you've got a, a real estate client. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
And, and that's where we come down to the main thing with Stepforth here. We are very picky about taking anything to do with real estate. It's such an exceedingly difficult sector. Budgets are tend to be low. Um, the only times we've been able to take them and do well is when a clients come with a reasonable budget and understanding that this is not something that happens overnight. Um, and the, the willingness to go ahead and really make it work. Yeah, we've we had yeah. some real estate clients years ago and they did exceptionally well and things just got progressively more and more and more difficult for them. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't want to keep up with all the things that were necessary on their end related to, you know, whether it be content or or any kind of uh, link or citation type marketing, all that kind of stuff. They weren't into it. Um, and we have no real estate clients right now. Our, our most recent one, though, did really well. Um, but she also was in a very tight niche where it really wasn't excessively difficult to get her what she wanted. Yeah. But she if was you're, real estate on one of the Gulf islands here. So very niche. Yeah. And actually she, we did so well for her that she decided to retire. So yeah, that's, that's a first. Really, <laughs> I know that, you know, we've lost clients for various reasons over the many years, but retirement, I think is, that's the first time that's happened. <laughs> we just made her so much money. She's like, I, thanks. I don't have to work anymore. Like, yeah. okay, great. <laughs> it might've been a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. I think she was 22 years old and no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that was a really great example of one that's worked out well, but I would say um, it's not always the case. Uh, and I guess what I'm, I'm getting at here, Ben is um, <laughs> has we, have we had any Have you had any significant success with real estate clients? Yes. Um, but it's not the norm. It is very difficult. And, and ones we're talking about, at least ones that Scott was talking about there were a while ago when things were a lot more, uh, a lot less compl complicated and less competitive, but even then it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Nowadays, very tricky, especially in the States with Zillow and Trulia and all these. Um, it's, you know, I would imagine it's reviews. You know, if you're going to get reviews about what you've been doing, I think that could help. Um, you know, have people leave reviews that mention what kind of home they purchased. <laughs> it's hard enough to get a review, never mind sort of hinting at people on what they should be putting in it. It's very uncomfortable. You, you know, getting, getting reviews for a real estate firm is probably pretty easy too, because I would say the majority of the clients are probably happy um, and more willing to talk about their agent that they worked with. Unlike, you know, industries like uh, lawyers and therapists where people want to have that level of anonymity. In real estate, there's no, oh, I don't want anyone to know I bought a house. Like, yeah. you know, they, so people would be probably more likely to say, hey, you know, Ben Jones is, I don't think Ben's a real estate agent, but you know, ben, Ben's awesome. He got this great deal on a house and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think people would be more likely to speak out about it if you ask. So getting yeah. those reviews is probably not terrible. And, and I agree. Uh, it, just what comes trickier these days is trying to influence what they're using in the review. If, you know, if you can say, I would love a review. And if you're feeling particularly generous, please, you know, if you can remember to mention that it's a, um, uh, a rancher or well, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I'm not I'm no real estate agent, but all of the elements that uh, are a few of the key elements of the home that was purchased and where um, that helps because if a person is looking for a real estate agent in, and they mentioned that in this person, there's a lot of few reviews saying that they uh, purchased a home through this real estate agent in X area. That's going to help. Um, that's 
it drives me crazy because I hate asking for anything more than a review. It seems like enough, you know, for a person to take the time to write something nice. Never mind asking for that. Yeah, absolutely. (sighs) Anyway, I hope that helps a little, Ben. And I know there's a, uh, I think there's a comment or two from other listeners. Uh, Hopefully you'll get something from that as well. The next question is from Lucas Adam. He says, I'm currently working with someone who has around 120 PDFs in in, in their index. Most of these PDFs are press releases without any useful information for the end user. Well, at least no valuable keywords are being targeted. I would like to de-index all of them. Do you think this is a good idea or should I do it step by step? Is there any advantage in indexing PDFs? Thanks for any help and keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Lucas. And there's a couple questions in here. I know John would be picking it apart pretty good here. Um, first of all, PDFs can be indexed and can be optimized. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. You know, make sure that you've optimized the, the PDF with the right titles, um, with the right description, uh, you've compressed it properly when you export it for mobile, something that can be used online. Remember mobile first, everything's mobile first on Google. And if you print, if you save things online that are meant for printing, um, maybe add it as an alternate option for download. Anyways, it's not really answering your question. So I'll say that um, if they're just press releases, that doesn't mean they shouldn't be indexed. Press releases have links in them. They mention valid things that that business has done, hopefully valid anyway, unless they're fluff. Um, And I don't know. I don't see a reason why there'd be any harm. What do you think? I I would probably keep them. But one thing I'll really stress, and I've seen this happen over and over again, is when people remove content that was actually helping and they find out after the fact. So I would actually look into, do any of these PDFs have inbound links coming to them? Mm-hmm. Are people actually opening these PDFs? Did they, well, unlikely, some of them could be a starting point of traffic for your website. There, there could be benefits that you aren't seeing. Um, I remember we had a client quite a long time ago now and they removed a page of their site. They didn't tell mm-hmm. us, we didn't know their traffic plummeted for that page and it was all traffic specific to that page. And then they got mad at us because their traffic went down, even though their traffic had actually gone up in all other areas, but it went down for this one area that they didn't uh, offer anymore. Um, and it, it really cut into their, their traffic stream there. So, you know, if you went and deleted all 120 PDFs and then found out you're getting a lot of traffic as a result of those existing, that would be a bummer. <laughs> well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. You got to also consider not all traffic is created equal. True. was doing anything for you. Um, obviously, I don't care. I'm going to try and keep traffic no matter what it is. Well, no matter. We had some pretty creepy ones in the past that I didn't want anymore. But the fact is there are instances where you just, why not keep it? Right. Um, but if there are, there is types of traffic that, you know, isn't leaving the business, then it's not a big deal. Um, in this case, um, you, as you mentioned that, I remember now that someone did mention immediately that that's something you should do is uh, check on what PDFs are leading to traffic. And I uh, second that. So yes, definitely do your homework. If they're doing well, leave them. If they're not, if you don't really care and you want to spend the time, do something about them. But frankly, I wouldn't bother. I, I guess there's another factor to look at too. And that is what percentage of content are those PDFs 
part of for your site. Like if you have a, a mm. two page website with 120 PDFs, you're getting rid of everything basically. And that could be bad. If you've got a 10,000 page website, dropping 120 PDFs is a, not going to do anything probably. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of variables that we can never cover on the show. We just don't know all the ins and outs of the situation, but that's definitely a valid one as well. I hope that helps Lucas. Good luck. Next question is for Mark Chisholm. He says, look at this wizardry. Has anyone else seen any examples of like, uh, of, of results like this? And what he did is he posted, and this is in our SEO 101, uh, uh, form on Facebook. So just type in uh, SEO 101 uh, on webmasterradio.fm within Facebook and you'll find it pretty quickly. Anyways, it's a uh, animated clip you put in there of, I guess someone had searched for Rottweiler. Anyway, it says uh, uh, Google had put a picture of a Rottweiler and it says view in 3D and the, the Rottweiler is already moving. It was animated and you could click on it and I guess view it in a 3D format, more 3D format. Um, it was not something, as far as I could tell, uh, I did look, but I couldn't see any way that that was anything um, commercial. It wasn't from another website. It was Google's own kind of knowledge graph. Um, anyways, I have, I, I, I was thinking about it. I have seen it elsewhere. I can't remember what it was for, but I have seen it. Um, it but it's certainly not something I see in the norm. Do you see it very often, Scott? I've never, I've never seen it before, ever. Oh, okay, there you go. It was cool, though. I kind of liked it. Yeah. Okay, why don't you take the next one? Sure. Who are we at here? We're at Dale, eh? Dale. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my clients has very recently launched a new website using a separate web agency. They launched this new website yesterday, to which I found out the first time the website is 100% JavaScript. Uh, this has made it very difficult to crawl using various platforms like Moz, SEMrush, Screaming Frog. I was wondering two things. Are there any tools anyone can recommend to help audit JavaScript websites? And is there any benefit to having a JavaScript website in this day and age, or is it bad for SEO? Uh, I don't see many of them around anymore personally. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, uh, before I even tackle number one, it's interesting that they would do another website. Um, I wonder what they're thinking. Hopefully it's not in, uh, in or hopefully, it is different than the one that you're currently working on, Dale, if you are doing marketing for one of their other ones. Um, but let's jump to number one here. It says, are there any tools anyone can recommend to help audit JS websites or JavaScript websites? I did respond and I said that Sitebulb um, does JavaScript websites and it does, but I have not put it through its paces. I have no idea if there's gonna be limitations to um, how well it indexes. Um, it does uh, have some pretty amazing features that frankly just blew me out of the water when I was using it. I'm very, it's very user-friendly. So give it a try. Uh, Scott, have you tried any technical stuff with JavaScript? I know it does render it, but I don't know. No, I haven't done a lot. We don't have any clients right now that have pure JavaScript websites. So we don't oh, really goodness. see it. Yeah, we don't see it very often. Um, so I don't have a lot I can add to that. Um, there is a way to crawl a JavaScript website using Screaming Frog. Um, you can just Google search uh, JavaScript spidering Screaming Frog or something to that effect, and it, you'll find the, the page. But it's at screamingfrog.co.uk slash crawl dash JavaScript dash SEO. And way down near the bottom, they go on and on and on about JavaScript and a whole bunch of stuff. But at the bottom, they tell you, go into configuration, uh, into spider, into rendering, and change rendering to JavaScript. And 
from what I can tell, it should work. It should let you spider the site properly. Uh, but again, I haven't tested that. So I, I don't know how effective it'll be. Uh, mm-hmm. But hopefully, hopefully it'll do the trick. Now, to your second question, is there any benefit to having a JavaScript website? Or in this day, or is it bad for SEO? Well, um, I've got to run here, but the answer is that um, I'm finding more and more of it happening. It's very, um, it's key for many services online, online um, platforms. Uh, it allows uh, a pretty clean interface for um, software as a service systems that actually have data that are that's embedded within there. How much of it what they want indexed is another issue entirely, but um, luckily Google is getting a lot better at it, at indexing it. However, they do um, take longer to do so. So it is not the fastest way to have content indexed by any stretch. So definitely keep that in mind. Um, otherwise, I don't know uh, whether or not in this case is a good idea. It could be an overkill situation for them. Uh, and if they're doing anything with current information, stuff they want to index quickly, it's not a good move. Well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my company's senior SEO, Scott Van Ack, thank you for joining us today. Remember, we have show notes and newsletter, a show notes newsletter. You can sign up for it, seo101radio.com. That's seo101radio.com. Don't miss a single link and refresh your memory of a past show at any time. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Facebook group, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Facebook. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.